All right, Internet, hello. Mike and Andy here recording on a Monday. We missed our Friday, but we're recording on a Monday. We'll get it out later today. And uh, for those of you that, that peg me, if it's not there on Monday morning, I know. I know it hurts. But uh, it hurts have, us more than it does you. That's okay. Sure, it does. <laughs> so, so Andy, we've got a couple of preliminaries. First off, um, we got a comment on the website that I'd I'd hurt you. I was too hard on you last week, and I would have to disagree. Um, I don't think I was hard enough on you, hmm. uh, honestly. Andy, it now has a new and annoying uh, hobby. Since hockey season is over for Andy, yeah, and 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 I understand. Listen, I understand. You know, when we talk about beer, there are the beer snobs out there, and that's fine. And uh, but I've I've discovered about my friend Andy, and I have my own annoying annoying habits. I mean, um, I can't really think of them, but I'm sure I'm sure hypothetically they're there. Very large fandom to Coors Light. That would be up there. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> now, now, Andy. So, so I, Andy, Andy has to drive up to the Vox World headquarters in Brea, California, and um, it's about how long a drive? Forty five minutes. Yeah, forty five. Forty five minutes. Hour. So he listens to podcasts, and so I said, "Hey, Andy, what'd you listen to on the way up?" And you said, "The Coffee Podcast." The Coffee. The Coffee Podcast. Yeah. Now, um, Andy has been recently demonstrating... What's that thing you have? I don't know what it is. Uh, Chemex. A Chemex. And what is that? Uh, Chemex was made in uh, 1941. I don't... No, no, no. And no, it's no. That's a, way uh, too much it's a, already. It's a manual hand pour uh, process for making coffee. Okay. That's... That sounds... That sounds awful. <laughs> so, so yet again, here's what... Here's the difference we have. Andy... Andy dresses well, but a little eclectically. I wear the same outfit all the time. Andy likes craft beer, of course he does. I like Coors Light. Andy, I don't like coffee. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't like your French press. Perfect. I don't like your what is it called? Uh, the Chemex. Chemex. And, and what's it? It's like a five minute process, isn't it? Yeah, it takes four minutes. You're holding the water over the the device for four minutes to to brew it. At, at what point are you compensating for wounds in your childhood? <laughs> I just. Just with all of this, I mean, just love coffee. Just, just love it. Just either love it or don't love it. It's like it's like Coors Light. I mean, you don't you don't need all the other stuff, Andy. Your life. See, see, there's there was. If a, I could just trust a company like Folgers to just take care of all of my coffee needs for the rest about. of my life. Well, what's the what's the what's the little little can? Not the can things, but little plastic tubs oh, of coffee. K cups. Oh, see, no. see. Maybe the K stands for Chemex, or it stands for coffee killer so um so we found yet another divergence uh in the force and, and i don't like how coffee makes people's breath smell mm. i just don't I, That's fair enough i think coffee breath is one of the reasons why there's global warming i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i think that's true all right now on on to our topic and and the topic this is a very sensitive topic it really is um because we're talking about the bridezilla of Christ, the, <laughs> instead of the bride of Christ, the church, the bride. You remember? You, wasn't there a show, reality show on that was like the Bridezillas? Or totally. Something? Oh yeah, I think I think it was just Bridezilla. So so the Bridezilla of Christ is when the church when when the church attacks when animals <laughs> attack, and uh, and so so we did one bit of conversation on on something we're calling spiritual abuse and and. and and we got a lot of reaction to it, and um, and so I, I wanna 
This one, I've got to like do some background work because as many people pointed out, hey, you're not a therapist. Hey, you don't, you know, what are you? And, and true, I am not a therapist. And uh, there are people who've written on this um, and uh, spoken on this much more eloquently and much more authoritatively. But I have some thoughts. And since, you know, this is the Vox podcast, I, I'm, you just, talk about I'm it. just going to talk about it. So, um, and it really, and so I, I hope this will provoke some, some good conversations, but there's a whole bunch of like disclaiming we've got to do even as we get more into this. And I'm realizing that as I'm hearing feedback. And for those of you that aren't part of the church, I would guess that there are a sizable number of you who've had bad experiences with Christians or bad experiences with church. And that's part of the reason why. You're not a huge fan of Jesus or a huge fan of his church or whatever. And um, and I, I seem to find particularly people who are very, very antagonistic towards the church are most often people who've had experience with it. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, it just doesn't happen in a vacuum right. somewhere along the line. And so this is a very sort of tender topic because you'd think on the face of it, if Jesus is true and real... And then the spirit that supposedly, this Holy Spirit of Jesus that supposedly resides in people, you would think that Christians should be remarkably different from other people. You would think that, right? Yeah. Right? And 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 uh, a guy named Francis Chan who uh, comes up with just these incredible illustrations came up with, with one I thought was brilliant that I'm now going to steal as if I were telling it in the first person. But But I do play basketball every now and again. And and play, that's a loose translation of me just running free throw line to free throw line because I never I'm slow enough that I never get down there for the real play. So <laughs> so it's it's wind sprints without much wind. But um, uh, suppose I um, I emailed my buddies and I said, listen, I I've had a life changing encounter with the spirit of LeBron James. You know, LeBron has just taken over. I'm a Cavs fan, always been a Cavs fan. And suppose I went around and said, yep, I my basketball game is transformed because I have an old nature in, in my basketball self and I have a new nature that mm-hmm. is now, I'm, I'm now being transformed to be more and more like LeBron James. And, and suppose I went on for a couple of weeks uh, and then I went out and I played my normal game, right? Um, which... Uh, though, uh, yeah, it, was, it isn't very good. So, so what would you think if you saw me playing my normal lame game? What would you think about my life changing encounter with LeBron James? Uh, I would, I would have some pretty unfair words for it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Much like a Kaliski. What's what's your Kimski? What's the thing? What's your coffee thing? Chem X. Chem X. Okay, I don't know why. <laughs> so Chem X. Is that C H E M? Okay, yeah. See, I could wrap up the analogy. Be as if I said I've had this life changing coffee experience, and you saw me make coffee, and I made it on a Keurig. Oh boy, that, that analogy is horrific. Now, <laughs> Francis Chan's is so much better, but but the point remains, right? You have all these people who say they've had this life changing encounter with Jesus, and we kind of don't look a lot like him. And in fact, there are many things that we do that run in direct contradiction to things he said yeah. not to do, right? And so, so I, I, I want to say, if you've been hurt by the church, you are in a very big club, and, and we're so sorry that that's happened to you. 
Um, and, and so that's why we want to spend just a little time. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're in a church, you'll be hurt by one. You just will. And so we want to talk about this because there's a very specific phrase that's being used now to describe what happens when you're hurt by a church. And that phrase is called spiritual abuse. And, and so we want to talk about, because that's, that's kind of a being hurt by the church is like level one. Spiritual abuse is like level 10 of seriousness. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it ups that, that language ups the intensity and seriousness of this conversation. So uh, I've heard this term used a lot. And I, I, so I want to spend some time exploring this whole conversation about when you're hurt by the church um, and, uh, and so what happens. So, so, so there are five, yes, five points that are preliminary in nature that um, that I want to have before we talk about what spiritual abuse could be and what it's not. Uh, first is um, Christianity, if it's Christianity, always looks like Jesus. So what you can't do, I've had people say this, what you can't do is look at the size of someone's church, look at the size of someone's ministry, look at the size of someone's influence, and determine whether or not they're a leader worth following. Mm -hmm. Do they look... Do they sound, do they act like Jesus? That's that that's point number one. I mean, I mean, John said it best. He said, if anyone claims that Jesus is Lord, he must walk or she must walk as Jesus walked. So the goal is to look more and more like Jesus, right? So so when we talk about abusive cultures or abusive leaders, there's a sense in which um, uh, a very uh, the beginning point has to be, the church should look like Jesus. Now, the church isn't Jesus, and so there's a falling off there. We get that. But um, if you really want to know what someone is like, look at the fruit of their life. Now, that doesn't mean how many people they they have on Twitter, Instagram, how many. No, no, no. Are they, there? there's a very clear definition of what the fruit of following Jesus looks like. Yeah, I was going to ask, you, I was gonna ask you if you can define that because fruit, I think fruit of someone's life is yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. wrapped up in oh, Christianese yeah, yeah. a little Christianese. bit. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so, so, so here's the idea. When we say the fruit of something, an apple tree, this is an analogy Jesus uses. An apple tree can only produce apples. It could not produce figs because it's not a fig tree in its internal nature, right? And so if you wanted to turn a fig tree into an apple tree, the, 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 the one way for sure that wouldn't work is by tying apples to a fig tree's branches, right? You, right. If you tie apples to a fig tree's branches, you still have a fig tree because the fruit produced will always match up with the inner essence of the tree. So Jesus takes that analogy and applies it to people. And he says, you will know people by their fruit. So what are the, the, what are the outward manifestations of fruit? Now, the problem with outward manifestations is that they can be faked, mm -hmm. right? I can look loving, but be hateful on the inside. Yeah. I, can, I can look pure and act pure, but be totally lustful on the inside. So, so there's a bit of a disconnect there. But, but one of the ways that Jesus talks about recognizing hurtful, abusive, manipulative leaders is you look at the fruit of their lives. And then the list we get from Paul about what fruit looks like in someone's life is kind of tough to measure. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
And you go, okay. So the only way you can really know if somebody has those things is by being close to them. Mm-hmm. You cannot know based on what they put on social media. You cannot know what they're what they're like based on listening to a podcast, yeah. right? I mean, you can get a glimpse, right? But to really see if if Jesus is being formed in a person, you got to be pretty close, right? Yeah. And, and, and because this fruit isn't always so obvious on the outside. So the first thing to say about spiritual abuse uh, is we're cautious of anything that doesn't look like Jesus, which presupposes then we've got a pretty good idea of what Jesus looks like. And as we've talked about before on the podcast, most of us don't. The Jesus we're familiar with has been reflected or refracted through the church to us for good or, or bad. Right. Because distorted churches will always give distorted pictures of Jesus, right? And abusive leaderships will always give distorted pictures of Jesus themselves. So first comment is the church should look like Jesus. And the the people who are following Jesus should begin over the course of time to look more and more like him, right? Because the, the, the major point is not everyone that claims to be a follower of Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Duh, all right? That's duh point number one. Duh point number two is that the church is much better than a lot of us think. And the reason is no no ordinary acts of faithfulness and service and worship and kindness and compassion and generosity ever make news, right? Nobody Nobody's going to report on, hey, you know, Mrs. Jones for the 89th day in a row brought food to this couple whose child is in the NICU. Right. No one's right. that. That's not newsworthy. No one's no one's going to say, you know, um, uh, Mr. Lara gave up his coffee habit, which is totally expensive. And he's now feeding orphans uh, in <laughs> Haiti, um, which is a much better use of that money um, with the Chem X and uh, hypothetically. And no one's no one's going to report on that. Right. What gets reported is when pastors are burning Korans or when when they're getting kicked out of churches or when they're, you know, confessing to affairs and, and they're getting, um, you know, I mean, that the scandalous always is, is more reported than just the ordinary mundane goodness of a lot of God's people. Mm. So that's the second point. The third point is this, and this one's kind of controversial. The church doesn't hurt anybody. People hurt people. Yeah. So, I mean, because if, you, if all you live is in generalizations, how do you forgive a generalization? How do you be reconciled with a generalization? How do you, how do you process through hurt by a generalization? So when people say they've been hurt by the church, I always want to say, okay, I get what that means. Because sometimes there are cultures that are created in churches that are hurtful and abusive. Right. But by and large, people hurt people. And so there's usually faces and names that are attached to I was hurt by the church. And so as as best we can, we want to get at faces and names, right? Not here, but in general, when we're talking about this conversation, it's not just this church hurt me, um, this leader hurt me, this deacon hurt me, this Bible study leader, this Christian, this whatever hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so it's so critical as we talk about this to just move beyond generalizations and try to get to some specifics. Fourthly, because churches are made up of people, there will always be disappointments, unmet expectations, conflicts, personality conflicts, you know, trigger warnings. I mean, the, it, it's there. there is no such thing as a church without these things. The difference between a healthy church and an unhealthy church is how they address them when they happen. 
Yeah. Right? So you're going to have screw-ups. You're going to have unmet expectations. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have disagreement. That's part of the nature of putting human persons in the same room. Mm -hmm. Even if they're all loved by God and committed to the same book and supposedly filled by the same spirit, Paul says unity has to be something that's fought for. Uh, It's not something that just happens naturally. So uh, could you hold it down, bro? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and and so so there there is part of the mess that's just unavoidable, right? Right. So the safest thing is just to bubble up and to never get in relationship and to avoid community. Um, and uh, and certainly there are some times when withdrawing from a community is absolutely necessary and replanting yourself somewhere else. There is this expectation in the scriptures that you are are always part of a people. Mm-hmm. And even if you go to a church that's far healthier, there still will be pain there. There still will be conflict there. It's just how it's handled will feel so differently. And then lastly, um, there is no such thing as the perfect form of church governance. Some some people are really interested in the checks and balances that govern these big personalities and the, these you know million dollar budgets. And that's mm-hmm. a really important conversation. But in my experience, Every form of church government can be abused. Mm-hmm. It, there's no one perfect one. Mm. Yes, there should be a minimum of checks and balances. Yes, mm-hmm. but I've I've also seen churches way overdo that. I've seen churches way underdo that. But even in both of those underdoings and overdoings, I've seen abuse happen. Right. Right. So there's no perfect way to prevent it organizationally and structurally. Sure. Right. Um. So my my thought with that one is, can you give a quick flash minute on understanding? church governance because for people who don't go to church who hear that yes. like, what do you mean because like i thought church is just a place where you do religious stuff yes hey look at andy yeah look at you go so church governance thank you for calling me and all my little christianese pastoral like <laughs> so church governance is is how how do you decide um two things how the organization is run and how the organism is structured so churches are two things. One, they're organizations, and that means they've got budgets, and there's money, and and there's sometimes staff people. Most usually, they're staff people. How do you hire them? How do you fire them? How do you allocate the funds? Um, who sets salaries and benefits? I mean, just that whole like hairball mm-hmm. um, is is related to church governance. Who decides these things? Mm-hmm. On the organism side. In the scriptures, this, this church is this unconquerable, like, like movement of the spirit of Jesus in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a spiritual thing. It's an organism. It's living and it's organic and it's to be a, like a family. And and so so how how is, does that get structured? And how do the organization and organism how does that interplay? Um, because you know it feels like we're this spiritual family, but then we're talking about you know buying this piece of property and people get angry and they let go of my best friend and my best friend was really hurt when the church fired this person and how does all of that work together well church governance tries to answer those questions yeah so so is it is it the senior leader is it a board of of congregants is it several boards of checks and balances so that's what church government yeah turns out to be right and and even the best intentioned um church governance can be abused yeah it it, it can be abused so There isn't one perfect way of doing this. All right. So that's all preliminary. Now, I I do want to say in the Bible, um, there is a huge P 
piece of concern by God and by Jesus about the behavior of the leaders of the people of God. So in the Old Testament, you have uh, God himself rebuking, like massively in Ezekiel, uh, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah. You have, you have these prophetic messages that are speaking out against kings and priests and judges and those in authority um, who abuse the people that are supposed to be in their care. Now, abuse language isn't used, um, but as, as we have come to be a far more therapeutic society, uh, that's the word that we use. The Old Testament words, you know, were, were, weren't therapeutic words. They were prophetic words, right? So, mm-hmm. so you've drifted, you've fallen, you've, I mean, those sorts of indictments against the leadership. And so God, mm-hmm. God isn't opposed to leadership. He is massively opposed to that leadership exercised wrongly. Mm-hmm. So that instead of, and the great metaphor in the Old Testament, instead of shepherding God's people, directing them and guiding them in ways that provoke faith and love and worship, uh, they're actually provoking just the opposite. And so these leaders are held extra accountable by God for the way they're abusive. Jesus, oh my goodness, goes nuts. I mean, the harshest statements of Jesus come in that same tradition of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel when he's sitting with religious leadership. We're going to spend lots of time going through his critiques because they're totally present these days. They're present in my heart. They're present in our churches. And we've got to be able to name them and understand what they are and that Jesus was opposed to them from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So his harshest words were for people in Judaism who claimed to be, there were there were Pharisees and scribes. These were these were the people most like Jesus theologically, but who had so failed in their practice and application of these things because they had allowed all of that to become heartless and to be expressed in ways that maintained exclusivity and that kept loads of people on the margins without way, without any way of them coming in according to what in meant according to the scribes and the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So Jesus just blasts these guys left and right. And then you begin in the later New Testament writings where Paul or Peter, these apostles, begin to start structuring churches. And that's church governments. They They start delineating offices. So here's somebody called an elder or an overseer. And here's this pastor thing and here's an apostle and 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 here's a here's this bishop and what's that and and so there's loads of discussion about how churches then get organized because remember the first the day the church was born the book of acts says 3000 people came to faith in Jesus so you go from the, the book of acts opens with 120 people and then 3 chapters later you've got 3000 people um governance and and leadership and all of that really mattered. So there's a good deal of emphasis about leadership over God's people. And correspondingly, there's a massive amount of critique. So we've got huge, like open spaces to talk about all the ways that leadership gets abused. All right, so let's talk about, and and here's the thing. Here's the main main thread in... um, the critiques, even throughout the Old Testament through Jesus. Um, and and the, the metaphor that's used, I've referred to, it's the, it's the idea of a shepherd and sheep. Because 
Old Testament Israel was agrarian. You um, and, and 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 Israel isn't just b- these big green pastures like we think of Kansas. Yeah. Israel was hilly <laughs> in some places and mountainous and, and looks deserty. a lot like Southern California, <laughs> right? And so sh- what shepherds would do, or they would lead sheep to places where they could graze. They would protect them from predators, and so shepherding became this incredible image, right? Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I mm-hmm. shall not be in want, he leads me, and so on. And so um, and so shepherding becomes this image that Jesus uses too, to talk about feeding sheep, you know? And that meant you're, you're feeding them the word of God, you're protecting them, um, you're blessing them, you're leading them well. And, um, and so the, the common thread throughout the critiques given to bad leadership in the Bible is, is um, either you are feeding the sheep or you are feeding off the sheep. And, and there's kind of no middle ground. Hmm. And feeding the sheep is the idea that you exist for their benefit. And feeding off the sheep is, is the idea that they exist for yours. Mm. And, um, and, and this can only be measured by fruit, right? This can only be measured by what, what's really going on in somebody's heart. And as they display that heart in the way they live. Is there um, significance in the fact that he used a shepherd as the ideal metaphor opposed to a religious leader or another? Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Um, th- what Je- Jesus's common practice was just to use whatever was at hand. Sure. So, hey, hey, the kingdom of God is like this fishnet or here's this pearl or, or man, you guys have, have sown seed before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a field and you guys know there are different kinds of soil. So he'll often just use whatever. So I don't know if that is the idealized image or if God today would be saying, you know, the Lord is my CEO, you know, the right. Lord is my president. The right. Lord is my, I have, I, I don't know. I don't sure. know if that's the idealized image, but it was the image that spoke yeah. so powerfully to that culture. Yeah. Yeah. So great question. Andy, you're on fire. <laughs> Hashtag Andy on fire. Andy on fire. <laughs> yes. All right. Now, are, am I making sense so far? Because here's here's where I want to get, and this is all we'll, all we'll do today, is I, I want to talk about the, the way some people define spiritual abuse mm-hmm. that's congruent with everything we've said. And then I want, I want to talk about what it's not. Yeah, and and the what it's not conversation gets interesting. I think a little bit. So, I'm ready yeah. to go there. I mean, I've got I've had some thoughts in my head. I just watched the movie Spotlight last night. Did you see that? No. What is it? Oh, it's the Catholic yeah. scandal. Yeah. Oh Catholic my scandal. goodness. Yes. So it, it's it's just interesting that that stuff's fresh in my oh, mind right my now. Word. But I mean, that's you know so in this other yes. ballpark. But I mean, you know, but at the same time, this the systemic things they point out about just like what the, what. The system allowed to take place is mm-hmm. from a governance kind of point of view is, yep. is really interesting in, in other ways. So, That's right. And we, we see that play out differently. Fortunately, not as terrible, you know, but I think in other kind of controlling Absolutely. authoritative ways. Yes, so, yes, yes. So, we're, so we'll spend the next podcast on like what this what spiritual abuse and what unhealthy environments kind of look like, because Jesus is really clear on that. We'll just go through his list and go, oh, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but let's talk about just, and this is kind of the tedious stuff, right? I mean, this isn't totally flashy, but I want to give you a couple of different definitions of spiritual abuse from, from people that, you know, have a much more kind of authoritative view on this. 
Um, spiritual abuse, uh, according to one author, is a spiritual role reversal where a shepherd, instead of clinging to and emulating the great shepherd, God, uh, by shepherding God's people, subtly demands that members exist to meet the leader's needs. Rather than relating to people as a servant, which is, which is what Jesus said leaders are, the leader pulls rank and lords it over others, not for the benefit of them, but for the benefit of him or her. Another, uh, another definition, spiritual abuse is the control of people by manipulation of their religious needs or sensitivities by means of shame. Usually takes place in hierarchical religious contexts led by unaccountable spiritual leaders of dubious morality and or dominating personality. Or thirdly, spiritual abuse occurs when someone is in a position of spiritual authority. The purpose of that spiritual authority is to serve another, but instead they misuse that authority that by placing themselves over God's people to co control, coerce, or manipulate them for seemingly godly purposes, but are really their own. Okay. All right. So in three different ways, you kind of have people saying the same thing. It's, it's the manipulation, it's the controlling, it's the coercion, it's the shaming, it's the making people afraid. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's using the religious impulse in so many of us against us to keep us aligned to a person or to an agenda that doesn't really reflect the person or agenda of Jesus. Sure. Right? So that's, right. A, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, so so if that's what it is and and... And there's so much written about it. It's really important to clarify what it's not. And this is where we're going to hook into some stuff, Andy. Yeah. All right. Spiritual abuse. And I'm going to say these uh, boldly, knowing that each one of these would have exceptions. Mm -hmm. All right. So each one mm -hmm. of these. So so like the first one, it's not spiritual abuse when the leader um, doesn't meet your expectations. Mm -hmm. So, so, so. Did Peter, so Peter becomes a pastor of a church of 3,000 people in one day. It, it, it's unreasonable to assume that Peter knew all 3,000 of those people. Yeah. Right? It's not spiritual abuse when someone who, like, like <laughs> being a soft, warm counselor is not my spiritual gifting. All right? Now, I've got the gear if I need it, right? I can, I can listen and be empathetic. Um, but my normal mode is teaching mode or vision mode, right? Yeah. And so there have been people very hurt because I'm not the shepherd they thought I should be. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I wouldn't say that spiritual abuse. Now that can be an excuse, right? For just not for blowing off everybody and not, right. you know, trying to care for anybody. I mean, of course, right. all of these things can be abused. But by and large, especially. Well, not especially. I was going to say especially in large churches. Um, I think in any church, if a leader isn't meeting the expectations of the people, particularly if those expectations are not said and not communicated, I don't think spiritual abuse is when that happens, when people are disappointed. Yeah. Right? Be if anything, Peter had a, a pretty big uh, disappointment being like, hey, remember, you're the guy who denied Jesus three times and knew him. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and what was the first conflict in the church? Hey. There, there are Greek widows who are being skipped when Hebrew Jewish widows are being favored. 
Hmm. And so, boom, they had to deal with that, right? Yeah. So so even like the church 60 days out or two years out from when Jesus was actually walking on the earth had issues. Yeah. So so there is this, there is this weird um, interplay between the expectations of people that are formed and shaped by, you know, their childhood or the churches they had growing up to what you as a leader turn out to be like. Yeah. So, so not every leader is extroverted. <laughs> not every leader is, uh, is, a, is a, a caring, kind, want to engage with loads of small talk after the talk kind of person. Uh, and, and so there just has to be some grace. That's not spiritual abuse when, by definition, uh, when a leader doesn't meet the expectation of someone else. Yeah. Correct? It. It's not spiritual abuse when there's strong leadership or strong opinions. Um, it, it's all in how that leadership is exercised and how those opinions are stated, right? So, But just being a strong leader, Paul was a strong leader. Peter was a strong leader. I mean, the, the church was full of strong leaders, and it was also more full of people that are nameless in our New Testament documents, right? They were they were the the folks that um, are unnamed that made up that three thousand, and who's you know they they were never recorded. So right. so so never we never want to think that the issue is strong leadership because because it's not just by itself or dominating personality. It's not just by itself. So as someone who has both of those for better and worse, right? Strong leadership, strong personality. I have to be so stinking careful because I've seen my personality hurt people and I've seen my leadership hurt people. Even when that was not my intention, I've just seen it because it's strong. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not wrong for it to be strong. It's how you're using the strength of it. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or lack of awareness that it is being used. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. I, I have I have several friends who are constantly telling me, dude, you have no idea how big a footprint uh, you have, <laughs> and you need to wake up because you're a big dork. Um. And and so um. Now this one this one's kind of a controversial one. Spiritual uh, abuse doesn't. It's not. Um. It's not always. Uh, the exercise of church discipline. All right. So now this, okay. So here, so let me define church discipline, right? We talked about it when we're talking about fences and we're talking about wells. Church discipline is a process that Jesus talks about and that Paul references where people um, who are all followers of Jesus and who are on the inside of each other's lives um, are confronting each other over, over things that aren't aligned with the way of Jesus in the church. It's not when Christians are confronting non-Christians and, and, it, and it's not, you know, internet flaming and it's not, but it's church discipline is where someone stumbles in a uh, public way so that, 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 that there's obviously something that's happened in the community and that the goal of coming alongside of that person and making sure they see what they've done and how they've hurt others um, and, and that there are times and seasons for them to, you know, step away from volunteering and service or step away from leadership for the purpose of restoring them back. Mm-hmm. That whole thing's called church di- discipline. And, and, and it's the absolute worst title for something. And, and it has been so stinking abused. It's a way to control people and a way to ostracize people. And, and there are parts of modern discussions of church discipline that are true and in the scriptures, and then there are practices and ways of it that are just horrific. Yeah. 
And uh, but you take somebody who uh, is leading a, a community and they have an affair, or you take somebody and uh, they've embezzled, or you take somebody and they have a massive anger problem or a massive pride problem, or you know, it's it's funny that we often and more often disqualify people for sexual things rather than for pride or greed or right, whatever right. or anger. Um, but thankfully, that's beginning to change, maybe. Uh, but the idea is that you would confront somebody in love, you would speak the truth to them in love, that you would say, listen, this is what I'm seeing. This is, is this true? Is this, is this happening? And then with the goal of seeing them restored, um, you would, you would ha- guide them through some sort of restoration process where there would be certain ways we'd be seeing if you are genuinely repentant, if you're genuinely sorry, or if you were just bummed you were caught or whatever. And that, that the people that were just bummed they were caught shouldn't be entrusted with leadership in the future. But the people that are actually working through this, that God actually will use this to strengthen them. It's like Peter, right? Peter yeah. Peter was restored yeah. to his position, right? 50 days after right? Jesus. Like, so, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, so we're huge fans of restoration. Yeah. Um, I hate that it's called church discipline. But people who have walk through church discipline will often say that felt very abusive because it's, it can be intrusive. It can be you're held accountable. Um, it can be like there are restrictions on you until this happens. And um, so what I want to say is it's not, it's not automatically spiritual abuse um, when there's church discipline, but church discipline so easily lends itself to spiritual abuse. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, because I, I, I've seen a very good-hearted people attempt to restore other good-hearted people. And even though there could be disappointment that the process could have been done better, that, that wasn't abuse, right? That wasn't mm-hmm. spiritually abusive and manipulative. It was mm-hmm. done with the goal of restoring somebody with, with the, the, in the same way you do it in a family, right? There are times right. you have interventions. Sure. Uh, there are times when you, you say, listen, this just can't be done anymore. So the church is supposed to operate like a family. So discipline in a family isn't always abusive, but it can be. Right. And I think it brings you back to what defining spiritual abuse when it, I think when it's turned back around and it's self-serving to the authority that's implementing it and that becomes obvious, kind of highlights, well, this isn't, doesn't look like you're restoring me more than you're trying to protect your own reputation. Or punish me for disagreeing. disagreeing. Right. Yes. Right. And that's, I mean, I just hear so many horror stories of what happened to people who disagree. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, how shame and, and manipulation can be used, you know, against to ostracize those sorts of people. And it can be done in the name of church discipline, right? I mean, there was there were some horrific stories out of some very public breakups, Mars Hill, Seattle. Uh, there were some stories coming out of that place about how church discipline was misused. And I, I'm in no place to say whether those stories are true or false, except to say that if they were true, they, they are, I, I'm, if they're true, I'm thrilled the church doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> because they were that they were that they were they were they were that serious. They were that yeah. shunning. They were that Jesus's, uh, and, and yeah, I'll I'll name that church as one that seemed um, to really have some of these, you know. And again, I'm not I'm not close to it, but I have enough friends who were to go ah there there was something weird going on there, and um and. and as the biggest sinner in the room, I'm in no place to judge whether or not those things were true, except to say uh, there were some very highly public examples of, if it was true, church discipline that was really, really wrong. 
but it was done in the name of church discipline. Yeah. Right. So just because it's church discipline doesn't make it right, but just because it's church discipline doesn't make it wrong either. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Um, uh, tr- a spiritual abuse isn't um, uh, exposing the sin of those in leadership. Because abuse can work both ways, right? Can can congregations abuse pastors and staff? Mm, oh yeah. my goodness, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yes, uh-huh. that absolutely happens. So so you know the the New Testament has very specific instruction about hey if there's if there's an accusation brought against a leader, I mean it should be two people and it should be done in this public. Da, 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 da. Like God is very much pro like confronting leaders. Um, and, uh, for, for, you know, feeding off the sheep rather than feeding the sheep and so on. Um, spiritual abuse isn't the pastor teaching or the leader teaching something I don't agree with. Spiritual abuse is not, um, when someone makes a decision, uh, that I don't agree with. Um, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been in situations where that's hinted at, where I've made a decision that wasn't real popular and, and you just... It, there was no nothing behind it. I thought that was the best call or whatever. Um, spiritual abuse isn't hurting someone unintentionally, you know, which which is going to happen because it's church is a human and frail sort of organization. Um, and spiritual abuse isn't when you don't like. Uh, there are people who have had bad experiences with strong personalities, and so they're automatically they meet me and they're like, "Dude, please no." Please, no. I don't like the sarcasm. I don't like the frat boy thing. I don't like it. And and yes, I, I get that. And I need to be sensitive and grow in that. But that but that sort of thing isn't spiritually abusive. You know what I mean? Now, is this right. making sense? Uh, it's making perfect sense. I mean, I was the guy who said that last week. So I What? Mean... <laughs> what did you say last week? I'm sick of the sarcasm. I'm oh, sick of the frat yes. boy. I'm I know. Sick... <laughs> I know. Seriously. See, but, but, but I mean, I, I sit in this room every week and just, and take your spiritual abuse. It's true. It's true. You know, I'm (laughs) repenting right now, right now, Andy, I, I forsake the coffee snobbery of the kimchi, uh, what is it called? The Kim X, the Kim X or the Kim X, Kim X. How do you spell it? C H E M E X. So it's it's got chemicals. It's it's there's a there's a there's a scientific and chemical reference oh, oh, to the oh, process. Oh, of co- oh, it's scientific, so it must be okay. <laughs> was that a, was that abusive, Andy? Because I I might have just violated my repentance right there. I don't know how self serving was it. <laughs> I feel better about myself for not liking coffee. Okay, I feel better. And then I guess it's spiritual. It's like abuse. golf. It's like golf. Like like I have friends that that spend so much money and time golfing. I'm like, man, I'm I'm so glad I'm not like them. <laughs> that, that just seems well i golf too so i guess that just oh, adds another one to the list goodness. yeah i'll see you out there golfing with your chemex and your ipas and <laughs> you know your skinny jeans oh my lord well andy i wish i could i wish this was on video so i could just hand you a piece of paper and say could you draw me just draw me a sketch of, how... of what i'm picturing right now <laughs> No, Andy, Andy, I adore you. I adore you. And and it's so, you know, the lesson here, kids, is it's just, it's so good to be with people who aren't like you. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. So, um, so let me wrap up with this. All right, how long have we been going, Andy? 43 minutes. All right. Ish. Yeah. I, this, you know, 
I feel like I'm going to want to redo it, even though we're not, just because there's so many landmines. And, and, and look, man, I, I, I am somebody who teaches publicly and leads publicly, and it's so tempting just to, you know, um, say, yeah, I'm so glad I'm not abusive in any way, shape, or form, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and, but as I've been, I've been reading all this stuff, I'm going, dang, um, it, the more wounded uh, people are by religion and religious authorities, uh, the harder it becomes for them to connect into something that's healthy because healthy things will still have conflict and, you know, strong leadership or whatever. And it's, and, and I, and, and so I just, I, I, um, I, I sit and I, I wrestle with, okay. Cause it, it seems like there are two, two issues we've got to deal with. One is not everything that's called spiritual abuse is right. 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 We, we, for a lot of us, not all of us, because the second part is there is really victimization here. Yeah, so, totally. So on the one hand, this podcast, I was trying to get at the one part of the equation where the cry of spiritual abuse can be nothing more than a mask for our Western autonomous, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do kind of desire to practice you know, Jesus following, right? right? It's like, I don't want to attach myself to anything. I don't want to commit myself to anything. I don't want anyone rooting around in my life. It's my life. It's my call. I follow my conscience. I follow my gut. I walk my path. Who are you and who is anybody mm -hmm. to tell me what I should or shouldn't do? And, and I think if that's the primary value, then anything that feels like telling people what to do or what they should or shouldn't do for some is just going to feel abusive, right? right? No matter what. Right. And, and so there's part of this conversation where we, we have to speak. I think Jesus, because he did, he would speak against the, the Western individual and the worship of the autonomous self mm. to say, no, you are part of a community and your behavior affects the community. Mm -hmm. It matters. You're, mm -hmm. you're a part of something. And mm. we just don't, we, f Jesus followers should forsake the right to be anonymous, right? I mean, we're, we're folks that it matters how we treat people online and it matters how we drive and it matters how we treat people at restaurants. It should matter because we're desiring to make Jesus beautiful everywhere we go. End of story. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is the laying down of all of our rights and liberties, right? right? It's laying down. It's saying, no, no, no. What, you cannot both follow Jesus and enshrine your autonomous desires. You just can't, you can't do both. You have to pick. And Jesus was so clear about this. And, and, it, and it's a process, right? It's not right. like I, I have, have totally mastered this. But there is a sense in which when we were talking about this subject there is a, a place in the conversation that says, no, no, you are part of a family and part of a family means there's a collective now that we worry about too. Mm -hmm. So that not every example of, you know, cause there are people who call me on stuff all the time and I don't, I only view that as abuse when, <laughs> or I wouldn't even call it abuse. I only view that as worthless <laughs> when they're, they're far away from my life. They don't know me. They're just, you know, they're making judgments based on rumor or innuendo or incorrect information. I totally disregard all of that junk criticism. The stuff that means a ton to me are when people like you, people like my sweet wife, because you're my work wife, 
Um, <laughs> people who, or maybe I, you're my work husband. I okay. don't mean to gender sure. stereotype there. Or maybe we're both work husbands. Right. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It's safe maybe to We're belong. both work wives. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right? So so there, there's a sense in which, you know, when you say something, like I belong to you. I belong to the Vox community. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... Yeah, I belong to my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I belong to Jesus and his church. So so there's this, this thing we've got to capture in this conversation that says, no, 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 no. Paul said it great. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Yeah. And and that's a that's a part of uh church life that nobody, nobody really takes seriously. Yeah. Like we like we have to sacrifice to create collective liberty like yes. for, for other folks yes. to feel free we have to give up something that's so right. that they can find that that same freedom yep and then that freedom that that unites us around that that's right and that's i mean exactly right. you made a great point we were talking the other day oh, like thank you just about like eastern culture and like how what it meant to belong to a people and just how that's so not you know right. our western yep. you know mindset right in the ancient near east and still today in some cultures mm-hmm. they they see themselves as part of a collective and now this is better and worse. It's a trade-off like everything. But in honor-shame cultures, what mattered most wasn't your individual honor and shame. It mattered whether or not you were bringing honor and shame to the collective you were a part of. Mm-hmm. And so when Paul uses collective language, like over 100 and I think 50 or so times, he refers to followers of Jesus as those in Christ. He's talking there, not of a metaphor. He's talking of something that, that there's a joining that happens so that so that when Christ is honored, you're honored. And when Christ is dishonored, you are dishonored. But when you bring dishonor upon Christ, Christ is dishonored. And when you bring honor to Christ, Christ is honored. And, and one of the things that we've lost in any way, shape, or form in the endless pursuit of our entitlements and our rights is the idea that my behavior... My words, my actions, all of that is super important for how it affects others' view of Jesus and how it affects uh, people's view of this collective known as the church, right? We just don't care. So so as long as I'm right, I can be angry, I can be a-hole-ish, I can be, I can, as long as I think I'm right, yeah. it doesn't matter if there's love, joy, peace, patience, because the greatest good is being right. It's mm-hmm. no longer manifesting the character of Jesus, mm-hmm. it's being right. Or, e- or even, I mean, even the sense of just like standing on the idea of like, well, this is America, even if I'm wrong, doesn't matter. Right. You know, because it's still like, I, I can think whatever I want. Right. And And there's a sense in which following Jesus means we're giving up our right to ourself. We're swapping out our agenda for his agenda. Yeah. And, um, and and that turns out, and see, the irony is, it turns out to be the most liberating thing. I mean, this is yeah. the funny part, yeah. is, is that it feels so narrow, but it turns out to be liberating, whereas just doing whatever you want feels so liberating, it turns out to be incredibly narrow. And that's what Jesus's point was, right? You want to find your life, lose it. Mm-hmm. If you If you want to save your life, give it up. I mean, that's die you know to it and and it's this beautiful contradiction but but so so part of what i'm trying to get at is listen leadership is something that god honors and it's something that god puts in the place in this community called the church it can be very very easily abused in a social media platform driven celebrity worshiping culture can be so freaking abused 
Um, and we, so we, so on the one hand, we're saying, listen, we all need to see ourselves as part of something and, and being a part of something means that we're giving up some of the rights we may have had as we saw ourselves as just autonomous Westerners. But at the same time, we want to say that there are people, and I've heard from some of you who have been tragically victimized by manipulative, legalistic, abusive environments uh, that have harmed you, that have harmed your view of God, that have harmed your view of God's people. And that is totally, totally legit. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be listened to. You deserve to be um, uh, to, to be uh, in a place where you can tell your story and people can learn. And, and so, so we want to give voice to that too, right? Because the, not everything that spiritual, is called spiritual abuse is actually abusive, but some of it is. Yeah. And, and how you determine what is what? Well, that's the beginning of the conversation, right? Yeah. So, so the goal of today was to try to give some disclaimers that now I want to disclaim more now that we're wrapping up. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, I should have said that differently. I should have said that differently. Um, but at least to provoke a conversation that says there are toxic environments. There are environments that do not reflect the grace and beauty of Jesus. And if you're in one, we want to, we want you to get a, get out of there. Um, and then as somebody who wants to help <laughs> breathe freedom and empowerment and, um, gr- and, and, and grace and liberty into, into the church, um, how do I, how do we um, stay on guard against, you know, all of the ways that, that uh, abuse and, and manipulation can take place, right? Yeah. So to me, this is a really, really interesting and timely conversation that, that even though I would love to talk about other people, you know, ultimately gets reflected back to me and where I'm at. And what are the ways, because I think part of um, being somebody who I've worked in several large churches, and so I'm, I, at least in Southern California, uh, I'm relatively known, whether liked or not is a different story, but relatively known. And, um, and part of my journey has been how great that felt initially and how empty that turned out to be. Mm. And to try to get to the place where I'm not getting life from people's opinions. I'm getting life, my life from Christ. Mm-hmm. And and that my sense of and by life I mean my sense of worth and significance and purpose and meaning. And um and so that I'm able to put down the applause of people or the criticism of people on both sides. I'm 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 really open, right? To applause yeah. and you're the greatest or to dude, you're the worst. Um, both sides have affected me. And um and there has to be a place where I can hear from people the things that are true of me that aren't beautiful and the areas that aren't in alignment with the kingdom. And at the same time, uh be given permission to be in process. And to be safe to belong and, you know, all those sorts of things. So it's a fascinating conversation for where I'm at personally. Um, but I also see a lot of conversation happening in the kingdom. So grace, please, uh, as, as we get into this, um, because I certainly feel in over my head. Um, mm. When we get to the Jesus stuff, then I feel better. Because what Jesus, <laughs> what Jesus does yeah. uh, is, so, is so brilliant in exposing the the false religious systems that, that still exist, even in his name yeah. uh, today. So, as always, we want to hear from you. Um, you. 
You really do. There are a lot of you who really have shaped the tone and the focus of these conversations by telling us your story, by asking great questions. I have a list of maybe 100 questions that are just sitting there. Um, and so I write them all down and put them on a big list. Right. Um, uh, we are thrilled that you have been so positive in your feedback on iTunes. That's that's one way that we get noticed and get the message out is when you rate us on iTunes and, and give us feedback. And so we're grateful for that. Um, of course, Twitter, Facebook, share. I mean, if these things are helpful, just share them. Not because we have any desire to uh, turn this into some sort of massive platform. But um, I would be lying if we didn't think some of, of what we were talking about is is needed in some of the bigger cultural conversations. And so um, part of what we've been very excited by and humbled by is that there seems to be a place for this kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and, it's, and it's not that other people couldn't do it better. That's for sure true. <laughs> it, it's that it, it seems like yeah. God's opened up this door and we want to be faithful to walk in it well. Yeah. So um, you're a central part of that. Um, and so lastly, let's see, we've done the, we've done the blessing from, um, what was it? Flash, Flash Gordon. Gordon. Oh, and so good. Did we do a Buzz Lightyear blessing? Buzz Lightyear. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, I've got, I've got a new one um, for you today. I just have to, I have to pull it up. I don't have it memorized. I am, uh, I'm very sorry. Um this is our blessing today, and uh, and we just want to mix it up, particularly for our non-religious listeners who um, have uh, <laughs> have 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 said they turn it off right before the other blessing. <laughs> so, and I wonder how many of them are turning off these blessings. No, don't turn it off. This is for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just have to. I just have to pull it up here. Um, all right, let's see here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Ah, here it is. Space, the final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you, be generous to you. May the Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Erie for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.